Raise your hand if your team brought a high-ranking quarterback from across the country, flipped him from a rival, and then lost him before he ever got on campus. Yep, that's us. All of us should be raising our hands right now. We're going to talk about it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Wednesday or not so happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with whole nine sports and giants country of SI.com. We're going to talk Jaden Rashada. Uh, but first, I would just like to vent for a second because I recorded a show about an hour before Jaden Rashada requested his release, and I recorded the show about Jaden Rashada's situation, uh, and then he requested his release, and I re-recorded the show, and then that file got corrupted before I could ever post it. So it is 2 a.m. Eastern time, and I am re-recording once again, but I am going to stick with generally the same thing I talked about in the first two times I recorded this show, where my focal point was not on Jaden Rashada specifically, but on the situation that happened, how it unfolded, what my understanding of the situation was as it had been explained to me or as I could have pieced together in any way that I was able to because it was pretty much me running around trying to figure out what exactly was happening. And I have my understanding of the situation. Again, this is what I was told. This is what I found out by talking to other people. Will we ever know all of the facts? The answer is no. So stop wanting them because there's too many people at fault. And when the people are at fault, they like to then change the story slightly to make them seem like they're not at fault. But this is my understanding. uh, And until I'm told factually otherwise, then this is what I believe. A booster that many of us believe to be Hugh Hathcock, I think that's true, um, agreed to pay the NIL to get Jaden Rashada to flip from Miami to Florida. Hugh is, of course, the one that tweeted, tomorrow is going to be a great day for Florida Gators fans. And then tomorrow came and it was Jaden Rashada flipping, albeit almost the next day because it was so late, but... Jaden Rashada flipped from Miami to Florida, and it was a blockbuster move. A lawyer who many of us uh, believe to be Darren Heitner, which again, I think that one is true, if that's how you pronounce his last name, I'm sorry if it's not, negotiated the Jaden Rashada contract on behalf of of Hugh Hathcock, the Gator Collective, and... He spoke to Rashad. He spoke to the Rashadas. The contract was agreed to by the lawyer and the Rashadas. The lawyer did not confirm with the booster that that money was good for. Like I, I don't think if this is Hugh Hathcock, they were talking about his net worth is in eight figures and beyond. So this 
not much. Whether the money is, whether the dollar amount was $7 million, $14 million, didn't matter. That wasn't the issue. The issue, to my understanding, was that Hugh Hathcock saw that dollar value and said, I'm not paying that. But the lawyer did not confirm with the booster that they were okay to pay that money. The Gator Collective, in this case, that's where you hear Eddie, that's who we're talking about here, didn't confirm with the booster that the booster was willing to pay that money. And the Gator Collective, in this case, Eddie, signed off on it thinking he had the financial backing from that specific booster, so he signed off on the deal. The booster finds out the amount of money that he had to pay this quarterback, and he said no, um, which is it's, it's hard to blame someone, right? Like Even if you have absurd amounts of money, it's hard to just go, yeah, I'll, I'll give a, an 18-year-old seven figures. That makes sense because it doesn't make sense. Uh, that's something that Florida's always said, really, where they've been like, hey, we're not going to spend on these unproven products, and that's what happened here, which is why the Gator Collective would have never done this without the, without the financial backing that they thought they had. The Gator Collective and the Rashadas had already signed the contract, though, when the booster backed out. So the Gator Collective signed the contract for X amount of money. Rashadas signed the contract for X amount of money. Then they decided, well, then the Gator Collective decided, no, we're not going to pay that because we thought we had this boost, this booster backing us up, and we don't actually have it. For a long time, it was the two sides are trying to figure things out. And last week, news broke on Monday or Tuesday about everything. And I said, I'm not going to concern myself with this situation until Friday end of day when we know Rashada won't be here. Friday end of day came, Rashada was not in Gainesville. But also it became maybe Monday. Maybe they could finagle it with the holiday and with classes starting Monday. Maybe they or with the first day of classes after the ad drop period ends starting Monday. Maybe, maybe that can happen. It didn't, because Tuesday evening came and Jaden Rashada requested his release from his national letter of intent, his NLI. I want to make this clear also, uh, because I, I realized that yesterday I had quite a few people tweeting at me for my post where, for my tweet where I said, on three shouldn't be allowed to report on Jaden Rashada anymore, because they were like, he had it right. No, he didn't. Because what on three tweeted last week was, Jaden Rashada has requested his release from his NLI from Florida. That was not true. If I tweet tomorrow, Montreal Johnson just scored a touchdown. When he does that in September, do I get to that and go, I, I called this. I said it happened. No, because that's stupid. That's not how time works. They still got it wrong. They still jumped the gun. They were eventually right. And a thing where there were two options, he either comes here or he doesn't, two options, they got it right eventually by picking the most likely option. Congrats, you hit a bet that was minus 800 odds. You should be super stoked about it. No, that's just what I wanted to get off my chest real quick. Because again, it's 2 a.m. I'm pissed. But I did have a big concern with the whole Jaden Rashada situation was if Darren Heitner was the lawyer 
that negotiated the contract. And I say if, because again, I'm fairly certain he is, but just in case, we'll, we'll entertain this. He should not have been allowed to. Because the thing is, Darren Heitner, if he's representing the Gator Collective in these negotiations, guess what? He is also working with the reps of Rashada in the sense that he is the NIL lawyer for the same agency that is representing Jaden Rashada for NIL. So is that not a massive conflict of interest? Assuming he makes commission fees, whatever it is, on both sides, is that not a massive conflict of interest here? I, I feel like that should be a discussion to be had. It's also very interesting that he was retweeting things last week that was like he never had anything to do with it, even though when Hugh Hathcock tweeted, tomorrow's going to be a good day, uh, Darren Heitner then responded with the gif of Kermit the Frog furiously typing and said, this is me right now. It seems like there's a lot going on, and he is honestly who I place most of the blame on for this situation. I will say this as well. Do not blame Billy Napier for this. And I know that I've got a bit of a reputation, I think, at least as a Billy Napier apologist, which I don't think is fair, but that's neither here nor there. This was completely out of the hands of Billy Napier and the coaching staff. The coaching staff can get a ton of flack for a ton of things. Not pursuing offensive line enough. Not pursuing tight end enough. Not pursuing running back enough. Not pursuing linebacker enough. Uh, not having more than... Just Jaden Rashada, I get it. For a while, they had Marcus Stokes, but everybody agreed Marcus Stokes was not going to be a guy that we ever anticipated to be a starter in Gainesville. They deserve plenty of flack for plenty of stuff. This is not one of those cases. But that's, again, something that Gators fans and non-Gators fans are going to be like, oh, Billy fumbled the bag here. No, he didn't. He had nothing to do with this. Life would be a lot easier, by the way, if Billy wasn't recruiting and if the gator collective wasn't trying to fund with both hands tied behind their backs from the administration but that is a story for another time we're about to talk about walker howard who could be joining the florida gators room and could be giving the florida gators a 2023 quarterback in this class but first today's episode of lockdown gators is brought to you by bet online the florida gators are currently four point underdogs against Texas A&M tonight. And I'm telling you, I already bet that Florida will cover that spread. Florida has not lost since the last time they played Texas A&M. Neither has Texas A&M since the last time they played Florida. But Florida has gotten significantly better from that game. Even in that game, they looked better than they had in the prior games. Florida's getting hot right now. I'm taking them to cover that spread. I'm tempted to take them covering the money line. I might sprinkle a little bit on that to cover the money line to win the game. Um, I might sprinkle on that because, hey, Florida could make it happen. Go to Bet Online to do it. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And now we're talking about Walker Howard. These final two segments are probably going to be a little bit quicker than usual, by the way, because again, it is two in the morning. I am exhausted. But we're talking about Walker Howard. Florida went to visit Walker Howard. And by Florida, I mean the coaching staff, or at least members of the coaching staff, went to visit Walker Howard in Lafayette, which is how it's pronounced, apparently. Not Lafayette. Lafayette. So thanks for that. 
Um, that's that's how it's pronounced, Schultze. Got it. Um, but that's how it is. Uh, but when Walker Howard hit the portal, I came out here the next day, and I said I was told to expect Walker Howard to go to TCU. LSU people were telling me that. Weirdly enough, unprompted. I guess it was just with the way that the Jaden Rashada news was hitting and then Walker Howard hitting the portal hit kind of similar uh, that then they just kind of connected the dots. But I had two LSU people reach out to me and they said, expect Walker Howard to go to TCU. I was given two different reasons. One of the reasons being that Jack Betch, who if you listen to this show, you know, I'm a fan of Jack Betch, wide receiver, tight end, hybrid kind of thing, really fun. Um, he was with LSU, and then now he transferred to TCU this offseason. Walker Howard and Jack Betch, guess what they're called? The the word that was used to describe them? Bestie Pops. So they're Bestie Pops. So, of course, Walker Howard wants to go. Walker Howard, the quarterback, wants to go to the same school as his pass-catching best friend, where he could actually throw the ball to him. You'd imagine the chemistry would be great. The bigger selling point for Walker Howard to TCU, however, was the offensive system set up by Garrett Riley and head coach Sonny Dykes. While Jack Betch is still at TCU, offensive coordinator Garrett Riley is no longer at TCU. He left this past weekend to take the offensive coordinator position at Clemson. Same job, same title, just different university and probably pretty significantly bigger uh, paycheck that he's going to be getting. So there's that. That doesn't eliminate TCU from the discussion for Walker Howard. It does, however, significantly help Florida's chances of landing Walker Howard. Ole Miss has earned a visit from Walker Howard as it is. So now you've got the three race, three dog race, three horse race, whatever you want to call it. Between TCU, who is still the favorite in my opinion, still the favorite, although significantly smaller gap between one, two, and three, but TCU, Florida, Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is the least likely of these three to land Walker Howard. You look at Florida, TCU, and Ole Miss. Ole Miss has Jackson Dart, Luke Altmeyer just at the portal after losing the Jackson Dart, losing that starting job. So you have Jackson Dart at Ole Miss. You have Chandler Morris is likely going to be the starting quarterback at TCU following Max Duggan's declaration for the NFL draft. So you've got probably your starting quarterbacks etched in there. And then Florida, you also have Graham Mertz etched in. So all three teams can go, hey, you can at least be in the conversation for 2023 and 2024, which, by the way, probably the biggest selling point for Walker Howard. Years of eligibility. He was a true freshman in 2022 well, redshirt freshman, years of eligibility, a high ceiling, and either way was likely going to be a backup in 2023. So that doesn't change anything. The presence of Graham Mertz doesn't change anything there. I know that I had someone else reach out to me today, well, at the time of your listening to this yesterday, and they go, hey, Walker Howard could replace Graham Mertz. One, I don't think that's true because Walker Howard transferred because he lost to Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. So that's one of the reasons Walker Howard transferred to get an opportunity that he wasn't getting at LSU. Whether that means he was better or worse or politics, whatever it was, that's what happened. So I'm not confident that Walker Howard would win the starting quarterback battle over Graham Mertz, even if there was a battle. I will also say, 
Florida pursuing Walker Howard, I don't think really had anything to do with Jaden Rashada because whether or not Jaden Rashada was going to be in Gainesville this year, you pursue Walker Howard. Am I confident he would be Graham Mertz in a quarterback battle? No, but guess what? Yes, I want you to add the very highly ranked quarterback that has multiple years of eligibility and a very high ceiling. Yeah, I want that guy on my team. 10 times out of 10. I don't care if I have Jaden Rashada, um, if I have Dante Moore there. or Yeah, I don't care if I have Jaden Rashada, Dante Moore. I don't care if I have Jackson Arnold. I don't care who it is. If you could add a high-ranking quarterback like that with multiple years of eligibility to at least improve your quarterback room, you do it. But now, for now, you don't have that, and that makes it interesting. Also, we'll talk about it later this week with just the quarterback room in general with Jaden Rashada not being added to it with Marcus Stokes getting his scholarship offer pulled a couple months ago. Things have changed in what was once a, you know, 2023 is going to be a young quarterback room, but there's a lot of promise there. And it's like, well, now 2023 isn't a super young quarterback room, but you've got Graham Mertz with multiple years of experience. You've got Max Brown with no experience, but a ceiling. And you've got Jack Miller with very little experience and it wasn't good, but you still have hope. But again, that's a conversation for another day. We're going to talk about the on 300 now where Florida has quite a few guys added to the class. J.D. Rashada, by the way, is number 176, but he's no longer a part of the Florida Gators class. So there's that. But more noteworthy, Eugene Wilson, the third wide receiver known as Trey Wilson, is number 32 on the on 300. He's the highest ranking Florida Gator in the on 300, and he is a five-star. He is the only five-star for the Florida Gators in the on 300. That is Eugene Wilson the third is there, and Eugene Wilson the third has long been one of the most overlooked players in this class for the Florida Gators. He's thought of as not super fast, but a tremendous route runner. He's so shifty and smooth, but he's not super fast, and he's not going to overwhelm you. I don't give a damn if you can overwhelm me as long as you can produce and be the guy that I need you to be. So Eugene Wilson III, congratulations on your fifth star. Congratulations on being the highest-ranked Florida Gator in the 2023 recruiting class. But that was not the most talked-about thing from the On 300 involving the Florida Gators. That was Jakeem Jackson, cornerback, listed as cornerback. I know he's defensive back to us. But Jakeem Jackson listed as number 40 on the On 300. But that's not even the most talked about part about that. Not Jakeem Jackson being so highly ranked. That's not the most important part. The most important part to the public is Kwamani McLean, who is widely regarded as the, the, the second coming at corner. Kwamani McLean, number 46, six spots behind Jakeem Jackson. So Jakeem Jackson, better than Kwamani McLean there. He's also ranked higher, if I'm not mistaken, than Desmond Ricks. So Jakeem Jackson is the guy. And I will say this as well, because I do think Jakeem Jackson and Eugene Wilson III will both continue to trend up, not with on three, they seem to be done with rankings, but with other ranking services, I think they'll continue to trend up. I think that's one of those things where you look at it and you go, this coaching staff kind of knows what they're doing, huh? Because they're adding these guys where when they're added, it's like, okay, like, cool, you're a four-star, great. And then towards the end of the cycle, it's like, oh, you're a high four-star or you're a five-star. And it's like, okay, well, and you saw it before everybody else. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what they do in Gainesville. So there's that. The defensive line is very strong, obviously. Kelby Collins, number 50. Kelby Collins is the consensus 
highest ranked Florida Gator in the 2023 class. So that's Kobe Collins, number 50. Cameron James, who's often overlooked, partially because he's from a small school, partially because he just got such a late rise. Number 54 here in the first player on the offensive line, Roderick Kearney is also the only player for the Florida Gators on the offensive line. He's number 67. These are a bunch of guys who could be playing, who should be playing early for the Florida Gators in 2023. Next is Aiden Mizell. He is number 70 wide receiver. He is the last Florida Gator in the top 100 of the on 300. There are three more Florida Gators in safety. Jordan Costello at 144. Corner Dijon Johnson at 208. And defensive lineman Will Norman at 275. Uh, none of those are very surprising if we're being honest. But people will continue to be surprised. But I, I think that that was great. Uh, I think that it's awesome to see legitimately half the class for the Florida Gators 2023 recruiting class is in this on 300. And that is just awesome to see. There's a ton of balance here where you look at, I mean, Jaden Rashada was here. So we'll talk about him in that respect where when you look at this, you look at Florida Gators have an on 300 player had an on 300 player at QB at receiver at O line at D line at corner and at safety. You had, at everything except for running back, which you have one player, which is Trayon Webb, not on the on 300. Linebacker, Jaden Robinson, you're only one, not on the on 300. And you don't have a tight end in this class. Everywhere that Florida took a player, they had them in the on 300. And then, of course, they lost the quarterback there. But every position that Florida had besides running back, linebacker. That every position that Florida had a commit for in 2023, besides running back and linebacker, was on the on 300. And that is pretty damn impressive. It's also, guess what we always have said the strengths of this class were? D-line, DB, wide receiver. Florida Gators had two wide receivers on that list. Florida Gators have three DBs on that list. And Florida Gators have three defensive linemen on that list. Florida getting a ton of quality talent. That's the big thing with Florida where even though there weren't a ton of five stars or there weren't any five stars, depending on where you look, if you look at it on three, there's one. But depending on where you look, no five stars, which is fine because you brought in, what, 21 kids and 18 of them are blue chip talents. You're getting quality and quantity, and I'm cool with that even if you're missing the very top, top, top class. That's fine with me. That will come with sustained success. It will. So I'm cool with it for now until you have to improve. But thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. Ben Chase is joining the show tomorrow. So there's going to be a ton of fun with that. I'm asking him about NIL stuff, which I can't wait to do. For your second listen, check out Lockdown SEC host by Chris Cordy of Sports 790, get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, the University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.